Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is the Football News Knowledge Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Bell. And in today's episode, we are primarily just going to be focusing on the games for this weekend. Uh, I had a extremely long and stressful day, if anyone was wondering. <laughs> but I still, of course, want to give the game predictions for this week and I have not gotten a chance to watch the game film yet from yesterday mainly cause with work it was just a very long and stressful day like I said so that being said we are just going to dive right into the game predictions for week 13 starting off with the Buccaneers at the Falcons now as you all know Falcon fan here uh, looking at the injury report, the Buccaneers will not have Jalen Darden. He has a concussion. He's a wide receiver. Again, not an important wide receiver. And Jordan Whitehead. Also questionable that I would say the only person who I can genuinely say is a concern is Jason Pierre-Paul. He's not participating in practice at all. There's no game status, notification by his name. Either way, that's what the Buccaneers injury report is. Looking at the Falcons injury report, the Falcons have no one who is listed as out, but Jonathan Bullard, the defensive tackle, is... Wait, no, he's out, actually. He is listed as out. Sorry. Uh, looking at this game, there, there's a couple narratives that I need to look at. One is Matt Ryan going to get his first ever win against Tom Brady. Do, does the Falcons defense have any opportunity against the Tampa Bay offense? And... The final thing is, are Falcons receivers going to be able to burn or make fools out of the Buccaneers' secondary? Now, I'm going to say that if the Falcons had Calvin Ridley back, I'd say that this would probably be a very interesting game. Otherwise, to these narratives, I'm saying that no, Matt Ryan does not get his first win against Tom Brady. I would say no, the Falcons cannot handle the Buccaneers' offense. And then finally, will the Falcons' off- wide receivers bolt, well, be able to expose the Buccaneers' secondary? And I think that will happen. But... I don't think that they're going to win. I think that the Buccaneers win this game by at least 10 points. I think if Calvin Ridley was in the game, I think it might be a little bit more interesting, but I think they'll win by 10 points, maybe a little less, but it's going to be more of a blowout. It is going to be a game that, at if you just look at the score at the end, it's going to say, oh, yeah, it was a close game. In reality, no, the Falcons would are probably going to get blown out, and then there's going to be some scoring at the end, just garbage time points. 
heading to the so my prediction is the Buccaneers win that game if you didn't or if you couldn't tell looking at the next game the Cardinals are facing the Chicago Bears and I'm going to make this quite clear the Bears are losing this Heading into this game, Mario Edwards Jr. is out for the Bears. Marquise Goodwin, Akeem Hicks, Allen Robinson is doubtful. Uh, Damian Williams is out. Justin Fields is doubtful. Now, I think that Andy Dalton's a very capable backup, but I'm still taking the the Cardinals. I don't think anyone would say, "Oh, how can you not take the Bears?" Because, quite frankly, even without Kyler Murray, the Cardinals are performing very well. Colt McCoy is definitely doing a very good job as a backup quarterback. He's not just game managing. I I talk about how Trevor Simeon is a game manager. And I know that from what it looks like, uh, Trevor Simeon may have ended up being the better quarterback for the Saints I still don't believe that I need to watch the tape I know that Taysom Hill threw four interceptions but like I said Trevor Simeon game manager Colt McCoy he can game manage but he can also score points very well for a team I wouldn't say he's starting caliber quarterback but I would say right now he looks like a high-end uh backup quarterback back and that's that's a good position for him to be in because people are going to want good backup quarterbacks especially if you're on a team with an injury prone player like Kyler Murray um the Cardinals are without James Wiggins like I said and Justin Pugh did not participate in practice at all this week uh Kyler was limited during practice the entire week and DeAndre Hopkins was limited Wednesday and Thursday, but then he did not participate Friday. So it leaves questions open. I'm still taking the Cardinals. I, I just, I don't know how I could justify it to myself or to you guys. I'm sure you guys would agree with me on this, that there's no way that any, if you had a gun to your head and you had to choose between the Cardinals and the Bears uh, to win that game. You would pick the Cardinals. It's the safer pick, and that's the pick I'm definitely taking. Looking at the next game, the Chargers at the Bengals. This has the makings to be a very good game if the Chargers show up ready to play. The Chargers are so inconsistent week in and week out. Uh, They are going to be without... Uh, safety Alohi Gilman and Asante Samuel Jr. Then the Bengals. Looks like Chris Evans is doubtful. Khalid Kareem is doubtful. Auden Tate's doubtful. And Mike Thomas is doubtful. Not Michael. Er, not, never mind. Sorry. Yeah, but Mike Thomas is doubtful as well. This game is in Cincinnati. I'm going to take the Bengals. I I am going to take the Bengals in this game. 
I don't trust the Chargers at the moment. They are too inconsistent. Week in and week out, they usually either shoot themselves in the foot or they just don't show up ready to play and they're predictable. So I am going to take the Bengals in that matchup. Then looking at probably the matchup of the week, probably the best game of the week, to be honest, when you look at it from just all the angles, all the high, intense playoff, uh, all, all the playoff possibilities for these two teams. I mean, both teams are still in the hunt. You know, it's it's the Vikings and the Lions, both in the hunt. Looks like it's going to be a great game. I'm, of course, joking. Uh, looking at that game, Dalvin Cook is out. Christian Dar- Darisaw is out. Cameron Bynum is out. And Anthony Barr looks like thus far he probably will not be playing. And let's see. Eric Kendricks might not play either. Then looking at the Lions. The Lions will be without Trey Flowers, Bobby Price, Jalen Reeves, Mabin, DeAndre Swift. And... I'm just going to make it very clear right now. Dalvin Cook is a great running back. Alex Madison is a great compliment to Dalvin Cook. He can step in when Dalvin Cook's gone and perform at a high level. So while Dalvin Cook is definitely the better running back, Madison is a high-level backup running back. Or filler. Not, I wouldn't even call him a backup. I would say that he's almost like Kareem Hunt. That combination is almost like Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb when they're running on just full energy, no injuries or nothing. That being said, I am taking the Minnesota Vikings. Detroit, there's nothing that looks good about Detroit this year. I said in the beginning of the year that if they won a significant amount of games, then I would donate a significant amount of money. I actually think I said that if they make the playoffs, that I would donate a significant amount of money. But I'm I'm changing it to just to a significant amount of wins. And no, a significant amount of wins is not one win. Although it seems like it for the Lions because they constantly are getting in their own way. Whether it be their coaching staff, their players constantly just getting in their own way looking at the next game the Colts at the Texans and this game actually does have a lot of playoff implications because if you look the Colts are six and six right now and you know looking at the Titans the Titans aren't looking too hot right now they are of course without Derrick Henry Julio Jones AJ Brown is AJ Brown and they're they're kind of falling off a cliff a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked if the Colts made or took over the first seat or the number one seed in the AFC South. Uh but taking a look at the injury report at the moment and, and that's why it's real quick, that is why it's significant because the Colts, if they keep winning they, they're they going to make a giant impact. Like, my, my one question, 
I'm pretty sure I talked about this on Wednesday, if I recall correctly. What the hell were the Colts doing against the Buccaneers? They did not run it really at all with Jonathan Taylor. And when they did, they got high production yards, but they didn't run the ball a lot. And I just don't understand why they didn't. It kind of seems like they shot themselves in the foot by doing that. Or, I mean, may, maybe there's something going on that we don't know about. But Jonathan Taylor needs to get that ball. And Carson Wentz looked very legit in that game. And also people say, oh, he had interceptions. Yeah, one of them, if I recall correctly, was a tip. I actually think that two of them were... One was a tip, and then one was, like, kind of yanked out of the wide receiver's hands. So, both of those I will not consider his fault. Matter of fact, speaking of that, I would just like to say, if the NFL changed the interception stat, and I think that they should, because it would make quarterbacks look better, and it will kind of push some of the blame on wide receivers. Why is it that when a wide receiver tips a ball, doesn't catch it, ball goes right through his hands and it's intercepted, that it is the quarterback's fault? It is not. It is not at all. How, how is it the quarterback's fault? For a wide receivers, I'm going to use A.J. Brown for example because A.J. Brown does have butterfingers. That's why I call him A.J. Butterfingers Brown. That ball goes through A.J. Brown's hands. Now, he may have burned the corner coming out of the route, but now he just tipped it up and the safety ends up intercepting it. The safety that wouldn't have even gotten him if he just caught the ball, just hightailed it. Like he he would have had a clear lane. I'm just this is an exact or this is not a actual moment that I saw with AJ Brown. I'm just using it as an example. It's not the quarterback's fault. He made the right read. He made the right throw. And the wide receiver caused the interception. I don't think that should be an interception on the quarterback. I think what they should do from now on is with tipped passes and, like, when I say tipped, I mean tipped by a wide receiver or a running back. When it's tipped by them and intercepted, it should not go on the QB's stat sheet. Because if we do that, I'm just saying this right now. Zach Brown, or not Zach Brown, Zach Wilson. I love how I said Zach Brown, like he, the country singer. But Zach Wilson would have way less interceptions. Like, I remember against the Patriots, his I think almost every interception of his was a tipped ball interception. And he had four in that game. I think he had one that was just a bad throw by him, which, yeah, that ball would be blamed on him. But the other three where it hits the wide receiver's hands and he drops it, that's, that's not on him. You make the right read. You do everything right, and then you throw it, and and the wide receiver just messes up. It's not the quarterback's fault. That's a stat that they should make for, uh, or make a change to in the NFL. Personally, I think that I don't know 
what do you guys think? Hopefully you guys kind of agree with me. Hopefully I'm not just blowing smoke. Well, not even blowing smoke, actually. Never mind. Either way, back to the predictions between the Colts and the Texans. The Colts head into this game with, as of right now, it looks like everyone's going to most likely be playing. Doesn't look like there's too many players who are actually on or going to be missing this game. Matter of fact, it doesn't show anyone missing the game at the moment. Then looking at the Texans, Texans will be without Danny Amendola, Terrence Brooks, uh, Justin McCray, Demarcus Walker. Of course, Deshaun Watson's out. He's not going to play for the uh, Texans ever again, I'm sure. <clears throat> I uh, And then Roy Lopez looks like he might be out as well. I'm taking the Colts. I think the Colts, like I said, I said in the beginning of the season, I'm going to say it again, I thought that the Colts were the dark horse team for the Super Bowl. I think that they'll make the playoffs. I'm not ready to uh, fully say that they're going to make it back to the Super Bowl or make it to a Super Bowl because their team doesn't look that great, but they do have the potential. They are rising. Uh, I also said that you know, Carson Wentz is a dark horse for the MVP. He's not going to be the MVP unless he starts balling out the next couple weeks. But, hey, if they look like Super Bowl contenders for a little bit, that would be a, uh, I, I would call that one for two uh, for my predictions. But I'm taking the Colts in that matchup. Uh, probably winning by seven plus. Then taking a look at the Giants at the Dolphins. And although, so the Giants, right away, I'm going to point out the very obvious injury and player that's going to be out is Daniel Jones, who sustained a neck injury against the Buccaneers. Or, not against the Buccaneers, I'm blanking. Um, but he's out. Cardarius Tony's out, or doubtful. Caden Smith is out. Sterling Shepard is doubtful. Adoree Jackson is out. Trent Harris is out. I'm going to say it. I'm just going to make it really clear and obvious. That is not a good look for a team, especially with a team that has a Tuatonga Vailoa. For all those people who hate on Tua Tagovailoa, and I know that I threw a little shade here and there towards him, but you can go back and listen to the episodes from the beginning of the season. I was rooting for Tua, and notice how right after uh, the Dolphins don't trade for Deshaun Watson, he just becomes on fire, starts playing real hard, making lots of plays, is playing at like a very solid to good quarterback i'm not gonna say he's great or like amazing but he's playing like a potential franchise quarterback for the miami dolphins and i think the fact that him no longer having to look over his shoulder definitely has plays a role in his production because you know when when you're hearing 
through media. And I know that certain players will say, oh, they don't follow any of that stuff. They do. They definitely do. If they didn't, they would not care about a player getting drafted at their position. A la Aaron Rodgers clearly being upset about when the Packers took Jordan Love. They wouldn't care. They do. They all listen. And, you know, now he's not looking over his shoulder. He's just allowed to go and play football. And I would not be shocked. I mean, if the if the Dolphins keep playing well, especially Tua, I don't think that they'll trade for Deshaun Watson after the season. And you know what? Also, actually, I just thought of something. I just thought of something. What if they did trade for Deshaun Watson still, even though Tua is performing at a high level? You could maybe get Deshaun Watson for a one and maybe a two in exchange for Tua. Or you'd get you would get uh, Deshaun Watson in exchange for Tua a one and a two if he finishes out the year strong, which. I know that there's certain people who would say, oh, I would still take the Sean Watson. But it, it would not look good to your players if you did that, especially if they believe in Tua. The major issue with Tua is his durability, of course. Guy who had a very serious hip injury in college and really has kind of struggled to stay healthy in the NFL thus far. But looking at the Dolphins' injury report, they will be most likely without Trill Williams, Philip Lindsley's doubtful as well, and so is Am Shaheen. It doesn't matter. Uh, I don't believe in uh, Mike Glennon riding it out for the Giants and being a superstar, although he does have experience as a starter I do not believe that he'll be able to lead a team without any weapons to a significant win against a team that's kind of playing a little hot like the Dolphins are so I'm going to take the Dolphins in that matchup then looking at the Eagles at the Jets I'm gonna make this really really quick I'm taking the Eagles um, I'm not even going to really talk about the injury report. The The one thing I would like to say is, and this is a plays a key role in why I'm taking the Eagles and why I'm not really going to explain the whole injury report or whatever, because it doesn't matter in this situation. Zach Wilson has the potential to be a, a great quarterback. I know a lot of people don't believe in that. But if any of you guys have seen the movie Draft Day, the, the movie about like the NFL Draft, Draft Day, came out a couple of years ago, I think four or five years ago. It has Kevin Costner in it. Um, Jennifer Gardner, I think Dennis Leary's in it. Yeah, Dennis Leary plays one of the assistant coaches, if I recall correctly. Uh, not not an accurate movie of how the draft actually goes, by the way. But 
if you recall from the movie, if you've seen the movie, there's a star quarterback who I think he, I, I don't remember what school he went to in the movie, but Kevin Costner's character trades away a lot of significant draft capital to move up to the first overall pick and where he would be planning on taking the quarterback and then all of a sudden I, I've, I'm not sure if one of the prospects tell him this or what but the quarterback after getting hit or seeing a significant amount of pressure throws incompletions or makes bad plays Zach Wilson is that quarterback I'm not trying to like be funny in any way Zach Wilson I noticed throughout the weeks watching his film and all that when he is blitzed he panics when there is significant pressure he panics when he's not under pressure He's a good quarterback. He really is. And he can make a lot of plays. But the accuracy goes way down. The eyes wander when the pressure is on him. He goes from looking at his receivers to looking at the pressure. And, you know, I think that if he can get that under control by the start of next season, he's going to be tearing up the NFL. I think the Jets would get what they would were hoping to get out of him. Because he still does look like a stud. Even though he's making these mistakes, he if he can get that out of his head and not worry about the pressure, he will be a star in the NFL. That being said, the Eagles, their defense, is looking pretty damn good right now. I'm taking the Eagles in that matchup. Uh, yeah, that I feel like everyone would agree with me on that, too. Jaguars at the Rams. The Jaguars are flying cross-country. They'll be without Shaquille Griffin. The Rams will be without Buddy Howell. And then David Long Jr. is questionable. So is Rob Havenstein. I'm taking the Rams. The Rams sucked in November. I think they'll bounce back. Hopefully, you know, Stafford hasn't looked the best the past couple weeks. But I think anyone can look good against that Jaguars defense, even with Josh Allen kind of becoming a boss on the defensive line. I think the Rams win this game pretty handily. Then moving to the Washington football team versus the Las Vegas Chargers. This is another game that has playoff and in, in, a lot of playoff. De- er, I'm sorry. I'm in, I'm blanking on the word right now. I'm like stuttering it. I'm so sorry. A lot of playoff implications because both teams are technically pretty close to the playoff race, especially with the Dallas Cowboys struggling as of late. Could really play a huge role in in the Washington potentially making the playoffs. Now, looking at the injury report, 
the Washington football team is without safety Landon Collins, J.D. McKissick, Wes Schweitzer, Benjamin St. Just, Just. The uh, Raiders are without Carl Nassib and Patrick Anuasar. And then Darren Waller is doubtful. That's significant. Now, the Washington defense has been balling out as of late. I cannot imagine if they didn't have uh, Jamar. I don't mean Jamar. I'm, <laughs> I'm used to saying Jamar Chase, but Chase Young. If they had Chase Young right now, I cannot imagine where they would be at. Uh, this game's kind of a throw-up game because I could see... Washington performing very well and winning this game. At the same time, I am going to take Washington to upset the Raiders. Um, quite frankly, I, I know that the Raiders performed well last week against the Dallas Cowboys, but honestly, the Dallas Cowboys defense looked putrid. They, they were awful. So... I'm going to take Washington in a close one. Probably win by no more than three points. The Ravens at the Steelers. The Ravens heading into this game. Miles Boykin is doubtful. Cedric Ogujo. I cannot pronounce the name right now. I'm so sorry. Cedric O. The tackle. Ogunjobi. There we go. Um, is out. Then, for the Steelers, Joe Hayden is out, and Isaiah Bugs is out. The Steelers' defense is not what it was last year. I'm taking the Ravens, this should come to no shock to no one. The Steelers are just, they're, they're bad. They're really bad right now. Taking a look at the next game, the 49ers at the Seahawks. The 49ers head into this game without Dre Greenlaw, Debo Samuel, Trish Sermon, Fred Warner's doubtful, Maurice Hurst is out. And then for the Seahawks side, Damian Lewis is doubtful. And I'm going to say this. If the Seahawks don't win this game. And I'm not saying I'm taking them, but if they don't win this game, you can pretty much say that the Seahawks are done. Like they're, they're not going to be, first of all, I know that they're considered a playoff, a true playoff contender right now, but they would not be considered even like a fringe close to like, Hey, maybe we can make a run playoff contender. Because they, I don't see it happening. I'm a, the one thing that scares me, you know, Russell Wilson, he, he hasn't looked great. And it could be, uh, some, or it could be, have a lot to do with his finger and gripping the ball and everything. But the fact that the San Francisco 49ers are without, let's see, one, Two, well, most likely two, three 
and also Marcel Harris is questionable and did not participate at all during practice this week as well. So one, two, three. Three potential key players will be gone. It scares me. And then if you look at the from their defense alone, if we include Debo Samuel, that's a key piece. Trey Sermon's a key piece. I'm still going to take the 49ers. It scares me, though. It kind of feels like a trap game where Russell Wilson will win this and everyone will start saying, hey, yeah, this, this, like the 49ers are just a fluke team. If that, the couple wins that they've had recently were just flukes. But I'm taking the 49ers in a close one, in a close matchup. Probably no more than four-point win. Then looking at the Sunday night football game between the Broncos at the Chiefs, heading into the game, the Broncos have Melvin Gordon as doubtful. Doesn't really matter because he's not even the best running back on their team. And then Kansas City Chiefs will be without Rashad Fenton and Lucas Nyang. Um, Clyde Edwards-Lair is questionable with an illness. I think that the as long as the Chiefs keep performing how they've been performing the past couple weeks, their defenses look pretty well or pretty good as of late. I think that the Chiefs should be able to smack the Denver Broncos in Kansas City. I'm taking the Chiefs win by seven plus. And then probably the game of the week and it it's on Monday night. It's it's going to be a great game, I'm sure. The New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. This game, of course, has major playoff in- implications. I keep struggling with that word. I am sorry, guys. <laughs> but heading into this game, as of right now, no one's ruled out. For the Patriots, everyone's listed as limited practice and for the Buffalo Bills as of right now it looks like they're going to be at full capacity for the game I the the Patriots right now are playing like the early dynasty Patriots like Brady's first couple years where Mac Jones and just like Brady was just asked to more do like just almost be like a slightly better game manager, a game manager that could score points, kind of like how uh, Colt McCoy is being right now. Because everyone's saying like, oh, Mac Jones was clearly the best quarterback. No, he's not yet. We can't identify that yet. Yes, he looks the best, but he's also on one of the better teams. He's doing that. Adding to that, they have a great running game. They have a great defense. And they have two teams worth of great secondaries. They can lay send waves of secondaries at players. That being said, usually Patriot corners struggle against quick 
receivers, which Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, both quick receivers. Um, I'm going to do a little just search real fast on the fly. Just want to check one thing real fast. Just looking at the Stefan Diggs stats and Cole Beasley stats from last year's games. And yeah, Stefan Diggs, 145 yards, three touchdowns in one game. And that was in New England. The other game, 95 yards, no touchdowns. I think... I think I'm going to go with the Bills. I I do. I, this is a total toss-up game. On one end, I want to take the Bills. On the other hand, I definitely want to take the Patriots, who are really just playing like a Super Bowl contender. I, I'm going to actually say I'm going to take the Patriots for this game. It's going to be close, in my opinion. I could see the Bills winning. Uh, it's mainly because they have so much depth, depth at corner. And the team honestly looks like the early 2000s Patriots. So, with that being said, that does wrap up Week 13 game predictions. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, even though we didn't really talk about anything besides the game predictions. Uh... I hope you guys have a great weekend. If you drink, don't drive. Call Uber, get an Uber. Call a friend. Don't drive drunk. Uh, we will see you again on Wednesday of next week. Until then, have a great weekend. Enjoy week 13 football, and we'll see you again Wednesday.